0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Todd Talks Bible. This engaging discipleship based Bible study is sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. And our teacher is Todd Tolles, the founder and director of CDM. A career firefighter captain before entering the ministry, Todd founded Church Discipleship Ministries to equip and empower believers to fulfill your calling to be a spiritual warrior dedicated to fulfilling the Great Commission. Let's listen in now as Todd Talks Bible.
1: Jesus also made a prophecy about the end time. How does that relate to our study of the book of Revelation? Well, let's talk about it coming up next. Hi, brothers and sisters. My name is Todd Toles, and I'm the director of Church Discipleship Ministries. Welcome to our discipleship program, Todd Talks Bible. We're back in our study of the book of Revelation. And I hope you have enjoyed the last three weeks off celebrating the holidays with your family as much as we have. My family had a thoroughly exciting and wonderful, in fact, a perfect Christmas celebration. And I hope you enjoyed yours as much as we did. So we're back in the study, and if you remember correctly, last time we were together, I started offering proofs of my interpretation of the first seven chapters of the book of Revelation. Now, the proof I offered was the Feast of the Lord, and how the Feast of the Lord mirrored certain prophetic events that we've been studying about in the book of Revelation. Now, why is it important to compare someone's interpretation of prophecy to other books of the Bible and other passages of Scripture? Well, it's like I said from the very beginning. If you remember, I taught us that prophecy is under a veil, and no one has the right to sit there and say they have the corner on all the wisdom of Scripture, and that God has spoken to them exactly what's going on with prophecy, because it's still veiled to a certain degree. But as a generation gets closer and closer to the events that are prophesied, that veil's lifted up. That's why the prophecies were a lot easier to understand about Jesus coming when he was walking on earth, because those events were transpiring during the time. Well, my interpretation of the book of Revelation is maybe a little different than what you grew up with, so I wanted to sum it up, and also we're going to continue on with some proofs about my interpretation, because it is a prophecy, and I am not saying here that I have a special word from God on this. I am just looking at what Scripture says and trying to give to you the best evidence as we see in Scripture uh, from beginning to end, not just in this book of Revelation, but in all scripture, and how it all fits together and supports the theories that I am um, giving you. Also, I, as you know, I've been bringing in current events to show how some of these things may be beginning to be fulfilled. But ultimately, only God knows exactly how it's all going to work out. But I really do think We're on the right track here with some of the things we've been studying and the interpretation that I've been teaching you. So just sum up my interpretation, I think the book of Revelation, the first seven chapters, has two main events. One is the lessons we learned from the seven churches. The seven churches showed a pattern of decline into worldliness and ultimately ended up uh, in an apostate situation. And we are in the last days of the church age, I think, where we have an apostate church and also the Great Commission Church uh, in conflict with each other. But the small remnant, the Great Commission Church, is still having an impact, even though the majority of the worldly churches have entered into apostasy. I also believe and taught y'all that I think the decline of the church into worldliness is in direct proportion to the increase of Nicolaitanism within the church. And again, just to review, Nicolaitanism is the false teaching of a clerical hierarchy. And it's not just in the Catholic Church we find this. It's in the Protestant Church as well. So we Protestants have to be honest and say that this sin of Nicolaitanism is also within our churches. And we need to fight this false false teaching, because as Jesus said in Matthew 23, we're all brothers and sisters, and we as pastors should not let anybody direct call us pastors and, and give us a title of authority over them. We're all equal as brothers and sisters. There is not a clerical hierarchy. Also, I have been teaching that the rapture, that blessed hope when believers are gathered up to meet with the Lord in the sky. That precedes the seven-year period of God's judgment on the earth and the judgment of the unrighteous. So the rapture comes before. It precedes the seven-year period of time that the Bible refers to as the time of Jacob's distress and was prophesied by the prophet Daniel when he was talking about the 70 weeks. Now, the last days of the Gentiles, the last days of the church, we have been teaching that it is going parallel and is, in fact, the breaking of the seven seals. In other words, the seven seals will be broken open during the last days of the church age, before the rapture. Now, you got to remember that the seven seals were not part of God's judgment per se. It is simply Christ removing the restraints of our sin. In other words, the consequences of our sin, he has been restraining to keep us from destroying ourselves. But when he cracks open those seals, the consequences of our sin are allowed to run full course in the world and reach their logical and very sad and awful conclusions. Now, as part of these last days of the church, I truly believe that Scripture has taught us, and that's what I've been teaching you, that we will see the rise of a world government, the kingdom of the Ten King Confederation. And this will be a bloodless conquering of the people. It will be done through diplomacy, and uh, the world will willingly, the governments will willingly combine into a Ten Kingdom Confederation. But also during these last days, we'll see the bloody conquering of the people, the second seal, when peace is removed from the world, people are preying upon people, killing each other. And most probably, that is also when we will see a conflict, a war between some of the kings, the 10 king confederation, and the Antichrist will arise, just like it said in Daniel, and take over three kingdoms and start rising into power. We also talked about how on the third seal, the last days of the church will see a famine, probably driven by economics, not necessarily a shortage of food. And we saw a little bit of that during this COVID crisis when how some people are hoarding things and how medicines and drugs and different countries are keeping certain things from going across the trade lines And it's hard to get certain goods. Then we looked at how the fourth seal, the fourth rider of the apocalypse, is death. And how one of the chief signs for the church in their last days is that 25% of the world's population will be killed, will die because of wars and famine and plagues and also by the beasts of the earth. And we talked about how that could be uh, plagues that come from animals like we've seen with the COVID virus. And finally, we said that this 25% of the population dying, this fourth seal, the fourth rite of the apocalypse, is the chief sign to warn the church that the fifth seal is fixing a crack and the fifth seal is persecution. Christians worldwide will be hunted down and imprisoned because we disagree with the false teachings of the worldwide religion and the globalism is taking hold. And then, finally, we saw how the sixth seal is related to in the same imagery throughout scripture and how I think the sixth seal is talking about the rapture and how the sixth seal shows what's going to happen on earth after the rapture, how there will be a marking of 144,000 Jewish people that will spread the gospel to those who did not believe and were left behind in hopes that they will repent and find salvation during the seven-year period of judgment. And we also saw how up in heaven, the people who uh, were raptured will be up there. All the people who went through the martyrdom, the fifth seal, what well, the Bible refers to as the, the tribulations of Christians, the persecution of Christians, how we'll be up there celebrating Jesus when the seven, se- the seven years begin to start of judging the unrighteous. So that's what we've been going through. And that's the way I've been teaching you. And I offered as a first proof that the Feast of the Lord mirrored that. And if you want to go back over that study to catch back up, that's on number 21, session number 21 of our Revelation study. Now, let's talk about an additional proof, an additional proof of what we've been teaching, namely that the seals are the last days of the church age and that the rapture will conclude the church age before the seven-year period of God's judgment starts. And we can find this great piece of evidence in the prophecy of Jesus in Matthew 24. You see, Jesus also was a prophet. He was the Messiah. He was the Savior. He is the King of Kings. But he also gave a lot of prophecies about the end times. And the most famous prophecy he gave was Matthew 24, When he was up there uh, with the disciples after they saw the temple together, and he gave them the prophecy of how things would happen. Let's look at this, and I think you'll see that this is an additional proof to what we've been learning in our study of the book of Revelation. Let's look at Matthew 24, verses 1 through 3. Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly, I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming? and of the end of the age. Now this is a very interesting introduction to this prophecy that Jesus is fixing to share with the disciples. You see, they were looking at the temple. Jesus had come out and was teaching, and he'd come out of the temple, and they were all looking at it because the temple was the center of Jewish worship, and they thought that was the best thing around, that the temple would always be there, and it was the perfection of religion and worshiping god but as we know christ had different plans he wants to live within us the temple within all believers but they did not know this at the time and so they're talking about how it's so beautiful and everything that's going on and jesus shocks them and says hey i'm telling you there's coming a time when none of these bricks here you see none of what you're seeing here the walls of the temple or anything All of it will be torn down, so much so that it's not even going to be one stone on top of another. Well, that was very radical to say. And in fact, he could have gotten in trouble with the Pharisees and the religious leaders and their laws for even speaking bad of the temple. So later, the disciples, very quietly so no one else could hear, so that they would not get arrested by the temple authorities, came to him on the Mount of Olives and said, Please explain more about this. And they asked him three distinct questions, three questions. And these are found in verse 3. The first was, when will these things happen? In other words, when will all the temple be destroyed and all these stones be upturned? The second question was, what will be the sign of your coming? and of the end of the age. In other words, the third question is the same as the second. What will be the sign of your coming? And then they're asking for the sign of the end of the age. Now, these are two different events, but they're asking basically the same question. What are the signs? But the first question they asked, when? When will the temple be destroyed? And as we read on, you'll see that Jesus doesn't answer the when question. He doesn't say when the temple is going to be destroyed. Just like I've said from the very beginning, God will never allow us to know exactly when certain things are going to happen because it'll be too much of a temptation for us to manipulate what's going on in life. Maybe to get rich or to uh, just manipulate things that are going on. So he doesn't answer when exactly this temple will be destroyed. And that's why the disciples and all the Christian believers had to walk by faith when in 70 AD, Rome came and destroyed the temple. They didn't know ahead of time exactly when that was going to happen, but because of what Jesus taught here, they were able to have faith and walk by faith, not by sight. And they were able to endure it. But these last two questions, what are the signs of your coming? And what are the signs of the end of the age? He answers. So let's look at it. Matthew 24, starting in verse 4. Matthew 24, starting in verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. For those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all of these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time many will fall away will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. So Jesus gives them a series of events. And you may already be noticing that some of these events parallel a lot of what the seven seals were written about in the book of Revelation. And we'll show a comparison later that's even more in detail about this parallel. But notice that he also says that there will be tribulation or persecution. So he's using the same word, tribulation, that the book of Revelation did talking about persecution and how that will drive the gospel totally through the world, to every corner of the world. So again, that tribulation, that worldwide persecution is mentioned, just like in the book of Revelation with the fifth seal. He also talked about how many people will fall away, and that's talking about the apostasy that we've talked about, and how that you must have a faith that endures, that you must never give up. Your faith in Christ, that you must keep believing and not walk away from the faith, even if you're going through tough times. And then he says, after all these events, he says, the end will come. Now, this phrase is very interesting. I'm reading this from the New American Standard translation of the Bible. And it is a very exact word for word translation. And most translations will translate it, then the end will come. And that's exactly the way it's written in the Greek. The end of aeon, or the end of the age, will come. That's how it's written in the Greek. The end of the aeon. The end of the age will come. Now, some modern translations uh, that are trying to be a little bit more uh, easy to understand and, and more in the common tongue, like the New Living Translation, and, and I love the new living translation. And as you know, I normally teach from that, but it kind of messes up this trans, this verse here in, in this presentation and this translation of this Greek here in this verse. It says, then the end of the world or the world will end. It doesn't say that in the Greek. And a lot of the translations that say that they just missed the boat. I'm afraid on that particular phrase, the exact phrase is talking about the end of the age this is a greek word where we get eon from meaning a time period and so literally jesus is saying then the end of the age will come now what age well remember he's talking about the church age or as the jewish people refer to it the time of the gentiles those two days a day being a thousand years in the jewish tradition that 2,000-year period, the age of the Gentiles, the age of the church. And it will end, he says. After all these signs, then the end of the age will occur. Well, what exactly will cause the end of the age? Remember, they were asking, what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, he answers that, with this. The end of the age is this. Let's get down to verse 29. Matthew 24, starting in verse 29. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give us light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And they will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. So in that passage, he's saying explicitly what will be the sign of the end of the age. In the first verses we read, verses 4 through 14, he gave the signs of his coming. And then he is saying the sign of the end of the age, the end of the Gentiles, the end of what we would say is the church age. And he noticed, he says in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Well, what tribulation? The persecution that he talked about in verse 8 and 9. He says, but all these things, talking about the earthquakes and everything, are the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9, then they will deliver you over to tribulation and will kill you. So he's talking about that persecution, the worldwide persecution that we mentioned earlier as the fifth seal. And notice he says, after the immediately after that tribulation, that worldwide persecution, immediately after the fifth seal, he gives some. Indications the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky. Now, that's the exact imagery that we studied in the book of Revelation with the sixth seal. And we've seen also that that came from the book of Joel. So, this imagery is happening and this is the rapture. And he goes on to say that this sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, they will see the Son of Man coming. Somehow or another, when the rapture occurs, when Jesus, just like it says in Thessalonians, brings with him all the dead who have already died, all the believers who have already died, he brings with them, and they come out of the ground with glorified bodies, and then we who are still alive will rise up to meet with them, and our bodies will be changed into our glorified bodies, and we'll meet Jesus in the sky. When that happens, somehow or another, Jesus is going to allow the world to see that event. I don't know how, but it's probably going to be some kind of spiritual vision that comes across them. But many people all across the world will see different people rising up from the graves. Different believers who had already been in heaven and came with Jesus as this sign and rise up with glorified bodies from the graves. You see, this is a sign for the world, the unbelievers, that everything that was taught about Jesus and his salvation is true. And when this rapture happens, it is the sign of the end of the age and that what comes next is judgment. The end of the church age is the rapture. And then comes the judgment of God against the unrighteous for seven years. The time of Jacob's distress, just like was prophesied by Daniel. So, that is how he answered those questions. Now let's compare what Jesus said to what we've learned with the seals. Let's go a little bit more in detail with it. In Matthew 24, 6, Jesus gave a sign of rumors of war. Well, what does that mean? It means some kind of conquering. It means some type of uh you're hearing about war, but there's no real war. You're worried about war going on, but it's really not happening. Uh kind of like a cold war used to be back during uh, the 60s and 70s between America and Russia, the Soviet Union at that time. Well, I think that corresponds to the white horse. Remember that is a bloodless conquering. The white horse The first seal is the conquering of the world, but without bloodshed. So, this is a rumor of war. And we found that in Revelation 6, verses 1 and 2, the first seal where the worldwide government arises. Later on in Matthew 24 6, he talks about wars. In other words, open war, bloodshed. This, of course, is the second seal, the red horse the red horse of the apocalypse, and this is in verses three and four of Revelation chapter six, and so that pretty well fits real well. Then in Matthew 24, he uh, talks about famines. Well, that's pretty self-explanatory, it's famine, and the third seal talks about a famine, and it goes on to explain it's probably going to be an economic-driven famine, and that's in Revelation 6, verses 5 through 6. Then in Matthew 24, 7, Jesus talks about earthquakes as being some of the early signs. And again, all these early signs are just the beginning of birth pangs uh, and it's the end of the church age before Jesus allows seven years judgment on uh, the world and before he returns to set up his kingdom. So, is earthquakes mentioned in one of the seals no not really but on the fourth seal it talks about the uh, fourth horse death in revelation 6 verses 7 through 8 and it says it's going to be death through war famine pestilence or plagues and even of wild animals and again we've gone over i'm not going to go over it again but that could be uh, plagues from animals from the beasts of the field And so, even though earthquakes aren't implied uh, here, it could very well happen, but also, um, he's in Matthew, Jesus is kind of inferring a lot of people are dying when he's talking about earthquakes. So I think those were the parallel there. You say, well, that's kind of a weak parallel. Yeah, maybe, but all the other ones are so strong, I think it kind of fits. Later on, in Matthew 24, verse 9, he talks about... The Christians being delivered over to tribulation, and how that persecution, that they will be killed, and that tribulation, that persecution will drive the gospel to every corner of the earth. Well, that's the fifth seal we talked about. The fifth seal in the book of Revelation, the worldwide persecution, when the souls cry out to be avenged, those who were martyred cry out for God to avenge their deaths. And that's in Revelation 6, verses 9 through 11. And then finally, we read about in Matthew 24, verse 14, and and the passage I just read, the sign of the Son of Man coming for all his people, the sign of the end of the age. And they will see the, uh, well, let's just read it in Jesus' words. They will see the sky be darkened and the moon not giving us light and the stars falling from the sky, or the sky looking like it's being rolled up into darkness. Now, Somehow or another, this astrological event, a lot of uh, meteorites and the earth uh, seeing a dimmer moon and the sun darkening, all this somehow or another is happening, but it's a warning sign that the rapture is fixing to happen. And then Christ will appear in the sky and gather up all his people, just like Jesus said in Matthew 24 in that passage we read. And he gathers this all up from every corner of the world, Takes us home. And again, I think that's pretty clear. That's the sixth seal. The sixth seal as it appears in Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. Now, there's more we could talk about in Matthew 24, and we will next week. We'll show you a little uh, structure, a literary structure within Matthew 24. And it kind of looks like it's repetition, but it's not. It's a special structure of a literary device, if you will, to emphasize some chief points. See if you can find it before next session. But until then, I think you'll see that what we've covered so far really strongly parallels what we've taught as the six seals, the first six seals in the book of Revelation. And I think the parallel is so strong that I think this prophecy of Jesus gives us excellent proof, excellent evidence to uh, substantiate what we've been learning in our study of the book of Revelation. Now, let's wrap this up for today. Now, I want us to meditate on this. Are these events close at hand? When you think about the worldwide government and the plagues and everything, many Christians are beginning to wonder, is it near the end? I don't have a word from the Lord, and I disagree with a lot of people on TV who say they have a special word from the Lord and and make these dates and these predictions of exactly when Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is clear. The only one who knows for sure is the Father. But he does give us these signs to prepare us. And I think all of us would have to be honest that we're seeing a lot of destruction in our society. We're seeing a lot of indications that maybe the seals are beginning to crack open, that maybe we are beginning to enter into the last days of the church age, the end of the age of the Gentiles. If that is the case, how can we prepare as Christians? Well, those of y'all who are listening to the podcast uh, may not have heard this material, uh, but those of y'all who follow along on Facebook or my YouTube channel saw a uh, special video I did called New Year's Resolutions, and the session number for that is 3CE, in other words the third installment of current events, CE stands for current events. And I'll, every now and then I have videos that talk about current events. I'm going to have more showing you how they relate to Scripture. But the third session of the current event section uh, is called New Year's Resolutions. And I gave us three things that Christians can do to pre- prepare ourselves for the last days of the church. And the first thing we need to do is read and study the Bible. And I encourage you to read and study the Bible. Read the Bible from cover to cover each year. There's no better way to learn about God through his scripture. The second thing is that we need to thank God for every trial we go through. Just like it says in James chapter 1. We need to consider it all joy when we go through these trials. And thank the Lord for it. Because he's using these trials to make us stronger. So yes, thank the Lord for the rough times of 2020. Thank the Lord for the rough times we go through in 2021 because we need to know that the testing of our faith produces endurance so that we'll be strong and that our love won't grow cold like Jesus said, but that we will endure to the end until our salvation comes, when Jesus comes and raptures us. And the third thing we need to do to be prepared for whatever lies ahead, is that we need to trust God in all things. We need to have confidence in Him. That's what the word trust God means, to have a confidence in Him that He will never fail you and He always has your back. And in Proverbs, it says that this is the key to a happy heart. And having a happy heart allows a person to see life as an adventure as a continual feast. And when you have those three things in your life and you see life as a continual feast because you're trusting in God on a daily basis, you'll be ready for what comes and what lies ahead. So I encourage you, if you listen on the podcast, go to my YouTube channel, Todd Talks Bible, or look it up on Facebook, Todd Talks Bible, and look at that video and meditate on these truths and start preparing yourself for what may be dark days that lie ahead. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, I don't have a word from God, and I disagree with those who say they do, and start making dates about his return. I don't have that, and I won't lie to you about it. But I do feel, like many of y'all do, in my gut, like many of y'all do, that the bad times aren't over and that they may just be beginning. And I think it's prudent that we should prepare for the last days of the church age so that we will be filled with the Spirit and that we can make an impact and spread the gospel throughout the world before Jesus comes and gets us. That's what I think. So... That concludes our material for today, and we'll spend some more time in Matthew 24 next session. But until then, keep your eyes to the sky and read your Bible.
0: Thank you for listening to Todd Talks Bible, sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. For more information, please visit churchdiscipleshipministries.com or check today's show notes for the link. Our teachings are also available on YouTube. Simply search for Todd Talks Bible. I'm Brian Race, encouraging you to subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Also consider sharing this timely teaching with someone you believe needs to hear it. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.